Welcome to The Barkside, Veterinary Business and Leadership Unleashed, where we empower veterinary business owners and professionals like you to advance your private practice by leveraging the tools and strategies of big corporations. Welcome to The Barkside. Gerardo, good to see you again. How are you? Good, good. Good to see you, Ivan, and hello, everyone. So we uh, we have an exciting topic today. I want to, uh, we just talked about that the first episode was about more individuals and the second one was more about the business systems. So maybe we will uh, we'll try to kind of back, go back and forth like that. But why don't you remind our listeners the first two topics we've discussed? Well, the first one we discussed, we talked about, or at least with relation to this topic, was about the why business owners decide to go into business. And we talked about the the latter, where a veterinarian thinks that they are ready to rock and roll, go business, and because they're great, they're great as a veterinarian, um, they transition, but then they think that their skills are transferable or all their skills, so business is just as easy as it was. Well, not as easy, but the, the step isn't that big, and ultimately, it's a huge step. So then the second one, we went through the three P's and the three S's, which is essentially a framework that we use, or that should be used at the start to help form the structure of the business. Awesome. Well, let's talk again about the individual today. And we talked about the different things that veterinarians don't anticipate and don't have to start a business. So let's dive in deeper on that sort of what business skills veterinarians need to have to actually start a business and what strong foundation they should uh, they should consider. So just looking back at you starting, you know, the business and the clinic, what do you think are those skills that are not taught in vet school or anywhere before we get into this world of business that one should consider acquiring before stepping into this whole world of hospital ownership? So the skills that I think that a veterinarian who seeks or may have the desire to become a business owner, that would be the skills that are associated with leadership. Not necessarily leadership, but team, um, coaching a team, engaging a team, help, helping to guide some kind of team to an outcome, could be improving a clinical outcome, whatever it may be, uh, the first stepping stone is about people, connecting with people and understanding people and how to get people to work together towards a common outcome. So, so what I would do and suggest is that when you are stepping up into or thinking of, of stepping into business, you've got to use opportunities. Opportunities like starting a project, reorganizing the surgery suite, whatever it may be, those small little projects where you have to engage a team around you and get help, get assistance, get guidance, get input, that is valuable, super valuable. So I'm thinking of a role over to you. Ivan, what advice would you think or what do you give to veterinarians who are thinking in, in business? So I talked about the transition into leadership with people already self. Um, so I do like how you went about the uh, sort of reorganizing surgery project. And I think that one thing that um, I absolutely didn't have and I tried desperately try to acquire is the skill or the knowledge is the financial aspect of it. Because I have this tendency to just think that I need to work as hard as I can to bring as much money as I can so I don't have to worry that the money will ever run out, which is not a very good way to manage business. <laughs> so it's essentially you need to understand all the components. And um, I think that if I were to bring sort of the bullet point list, I, I do agree that leadership is one of those things. And we'll talk a lot about leadership on this podcast. Um, but I think that the basic 
uh, financial and business acumen is very important. That's the one that I hate the most and, and try to study mm, yes. in various aspects. But, you know, the basic understanding of financial management, client relationship and uh, and how to manage that yes. is very important. Certain aspects of marketing, we're in the luxury industry that we don't think about marketing these days. When I graduated, which now mm. I'm a fossil, but we did think about how do you bring uh, more customers. Right now, we don't have that problem. Mainly, I don't know if in Australia, but in North America, there's no problem of marketing because it's more of a problem of efficiency. But you need to understand basic marketing. Inventory management, that's another one which I think is greatly overlooked by everybody and the understanding is not there everybody thinks that you just need to have enough of stuff to conduct the business but there's a lot of underwater sort of things that you don't know about it which which we also could talk about and then just the legal and hr compliance things that are done said or you know or conducted in the veterinary clinics they're beyond many of the employment laws that i know so I think that that's like a more comprehensive list, but which one, let's let's dig into the, the financial one, uh, Gerardo. Yeah, I think so, because financials um, and business, business strategy, like we started off with business strategy, but it's, you know, most veterinarians, you know, myself for like 10 years didn't understand what strategy was. But then when you say business acumen and uh, financial literacy, it's kind of like, what, do I need to be an accountant now? Like, so what level would you say is, would be the fundamentals of business or financials that you think a veterinarian should become familiar with? Well, I think that the main thing is just understanding where the money is. We all know how the money is coming in. And that's what actually most people in the clinic or in the hospital, they see that part. And I think that not only educating yourself, but also your staff, depending on your framework and management, we at Galaxy do emphasize the, the financial literacy for everybody on the team because everybody can see, oh, yeah, we put $10,000 into the till today and this is this you know greedy veterinarian or group of veterinarians that are just stuffing it in their pockets. Nobody ever sees yes. the other parts of the P&L, which are the expenses yes. and the expenses that are split mm. into fixed and, and variable costs. And then they don't know what profit yes. is. So I think that step yes. first in the P&L understanding and it could be done through... You don't have to do, so I've done MBA and I think it was useless for that. <laughs> so I think that you can do much easier, smaller courses to just basic understanding of profit and loss statement, yeah. balance sheets and uh, cash flow. And just understanding those three things, they're boring as a veterinarian. I understand they're not very interesting, but if you are to run the business, then you need to understand what they look like, what COGS means, what, you know, what all of those pieces yeah. on them mean. You don't need to understand how to put them together. But at least at the end of the month, when your accountant gives you the month end, you need to understand how to look at it and say, what do we need to change? What is not going mm. along with the plan? So that's, I think those are the basics. I don't know, is that your experience? I 100% believe so. I sat on leadership meetings for two years, not really understanding a P&L, where I, I suppose I could have done self-directed learning, but then at the same time, it was like, I should get this. I'll get it one day. And then like it wasn't only until I actually had to teach someone else what was on a PNL that I finally did the actual reading research. So uh, I think of two things. One is that when you learn something like this, you learn to teach rather than learn to learn because when you learn to teach, you then learn it at such a depth that you never ever expected. And then the second thing is exactly what you said before with Galaxy, it's like your financial literacy is something that should be shared. It's, it's not something that should be hidden because 
everyone should understand these big numbers because as, as you alluded to before, 10,000 goes in, nurses don't know where that goes. They just think that's 10,000 in the pocket. But you do the 100 coins game, you kind of like give out 100 coins and you then um, divide it up to, hey, 25% goes here, 25% you know, goes there, 40% goes here. And then all we have is this little, little pile. And then that, that doesn't go in my pocket. That actually goes back to whatever you want to do with the team, reinvest, buy new equipment and whatever. And then they soon then, that one simple process I feel is, it just opens their eyes. And if I knew that at the start, then I think that I would have saved myself so much pain in being a business owner, heading to directorship and trying to make changes, but then understanding what those numbers were and what impacted them. I, I love what you mentioned about the coin game. So I, I assume you're referencing Great Game of Business, uh, which they explain similar sort of scenario, uh, what leaders do when it's an open book management and how they explain the revenue profit and, uh, and expenses. And uh, maybe it's a different reference, but that's what came to mind to me. And I think that mm. the book that is called, and the methodology that's called Great Game of Business, that's something that we imply. And it's very, very useful to get everybody on the same page because you are talking about, it's very visual and you're, you're essentially gamifying mm. the approach to managing the business. And you're explaining to all your staff that after this goes in the till, this is what we take out to pay for materials. This is what we pay to IDEX. This is what we pay to buy syringes and, and the paper towels. Then all of a sudden you have the team understanding that next time they open another syringe and say, I'm not paying for it and throw it in the garbage. They know that they're all on the same page and, and this is the waste. So, so I love that you refer to it, but is it coming from Great Game of Business or is it something you guys developed with the coins? No, I mean, it would come from somewhere. I'm sure it's like some kind of fundamental process or aspect, but it's, it was so profound for our veterinarians and for our nurses that they finally just kind of got it, right? Because to open the doors of our emergency hospital was like $25,000 a day and doing some coaching with the business owner and we're talking about inefficiencies and teams and stuff. And I worked out it's like $18 a minute for his practice to remain open. So when he told his team that it was $18 a minute, then they were like, oh my God, like this is actually, this is, I need to somehow recruit. They started to feel like as if there was value for their lack of uh, contribution. You know, their, their, the effort that they put in to try to connect with an owner, to try to explain things to an owner so that the owner would be more acceptable or accept the recommendation. Love that. And I think that what's also important, I want to kind of take it into marketing a little bit from here, because what I've observed recently, so one of the hospitals that I was doing a little bit of an ER shifts, the one thing is everybody to be ready, but I saw constantly, you know, five, six people sitting on their phones and it's not because they're lazy. There's no business and uh, doctors are on production in that hospital. So I think there needs to be, for the business owner, there needs to be a clear understanding. It's not enough just to hire people and say, here's your base salary, here's your production. But if the business is not attracting and bringing in enough clients, then that's kind of your fault. You need to, as a business owner, your responsibility and your unspoken contract is that not only, because we never think about it. It's like, okay, I hired a vet, this is the base, this is the production. But if the cases are not coming in and people sit on their phones, not only you're, you know, $18 a minute or whatever it is, you're losing, but it's not their fault because they cannot go outside in the mascot and start, you know, hitting the dogs by cars to bring them in or whatever you do. It's there needs to be a solid marketing strategy to say, okay, what if we don't have a client? 
or clients, how do I bring more clients to these vets that I promised this lucrative production that they're not making now because they're mm. sitting in here? So I was talking to the vet in this hospital. Mm. They had four cases yesterday in the entire day, 12 hour shift. So this doctor who was on the shift, so she is, she has a base and the production. And if your vets are doing that, but you're not bringing enough cases, whatever day was hard, and this is again, emergency. So on Sunday or Saturday, they have a really full day. They're making yeah. way over their base salary on that day. But if on Tuesday they sit and twirl in their thumbs, then all production that they made on Saturday will diminish because they're going back to base on Tuesday. And that creates a lot of mm. frustration. So from marketing perspective, I think that it's like this word marketing and all people understand different things behind it. But what did you, Gerardo, like when you first heard marketing and what do you need to do? Where do you get that knowledge? Where do you understand? And what is marketing in vet clinic? What is considered marketing in vet clinic? What's considered marketing as vet clinic? So that's a pretty big, that's like, we should dive down this in another five episodes worth of, of, of discussion. But where I learned marketing, was um, my book, The Mini Vet Guide. I ended up learning marketing by just uh, wanting to share it, wanting to share the value that um, the book brings, and to obviously get more sales for the book. That led down a pathway of Google, Google ads and emails and messaging and all sorts of things. And I would say that probably one of my best skills is marketing because I've been doing it for like 12 years. As a side note, if you, are a business owner and you are looking at marketing, not very many out of the box marketing companies can actually communicate in the way that owners need to be communicated to. And they don't really understand the services that we offer and the value that we offer as a business. So I would do your research and probably try to find one who has experience with marketing for veterinarians or veterinary practices. But marketing is essentially sharing, connecting with the people that you want to connect with, your target market, your, I call them your perfect client then sharing what your business does and the value that it brings to that client. But not just, most websites, most business websites are all about how good we are. We are good, we have this levels of expertise, da, 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 da. But actually owners look at web pages and they actually look to see whether or not that business is actually gonna be able to offer them the service that they're looking for. And the vast majority of the time, the owners are looking for some kind of emotional change, an emotional shift, and they're looking for some kind of validation and acknowledgement. So the website actually needs to speak to the owner about them being the hero as opposed to the vet practice being the hero. So it's, it's a nuanced kind of process, but essentially identifying who your target market is, what their needs are, but what their needs are at an emotional level, and then how your business solves their needs. And um, so I love where you went with this and on the on the emotional side of things and how it's actually not the marketing company business to to market you, but it's you understanding what do you want to look, sound like, and what are you bringing to community? And then the marketing mm. team can amplify that, deliver it to the right audience. But you are, as mm. the founder, as the owner, you are there. And this is a part of strategy. In strategy, you define who you want to be and then the purpose. So then your purpose and your strategy is expressed through marketing and delivered to the audience, what do you want to be? But and and I don't want to go too deep, but I do want to mention a couple of things about marketing. Maybe we will have another episode on this because you're right. It's such a broad thing. 
But in marketing, it's not only about the website. A lot of the times when we were going through diligence on these hospitals, you go into their you know, historical spending and there's a marketing section and you will have sponsored $5,000 my son's football team. That's great. And it yeah, sounds that. like marketing, but it was just a write-off money to buy T-shirts or the uniform for your son's team, which is great. But who did you market to? Just think through it. It's just, it sounds like it's marketing, but you, okay, you marketed to, you know, 10 parents that went to watch that soccer, you know, game. But it, you need to think about what type of customers you're attracting in, in the segment. So if you think about uh, what your practice needs and you need to look at certain metrics. So does your practice need more new customers? That's totally different strategy. Do you want to market your current services to your current customers. That's a completely different action there. Mm. And essentially, this is what a lot of hospitals call marketing. It's my reminder system, mm. which is part of it, but it's a minute part of it. It's like a vaccine reminder. It's just a little segment of remarketing the same services to the same audience, but it doesn't touch the new customers. Mm. And then the third segment that you want to mm. do is market new services to current customers. So that's not the vaccine mm. again to the same customer, but we need new service to essentially, you know, we don't have enough customers in the region. We have that in one of our hospitals right now. And we see that the new patient count is going down. So we, we said, okay, let's make this hospital a yes. well-known dental clinic that does dental hygiene for the current customers market new service. So there's all these segments that you need to think about and build these pathways of how these customers will come to you to hear about this service and then to hear about you. But I do think that uh, we could probably uncover it in, uh, but go ahead, Gerardo. I know you have a comment. Yeah, well, that, and that all comes down and links back to the strategy. You know, what is the, what is the strategy that your business is using? Is it a, a dental clinic strategy? Is it a mobile vet strategy? You know, like marketing is, is nuanced and has to really be used to help the business achieve its objectives. So when you're saying about new clients, well, then you're talking about angling your, your, your message in the way that you're communicating to new clients. So when, when I think about marketing, you have your clients, your, your ideal clients, your perfect clients, what are their needs? What are their emotional needs and desires? But then you should also think about your business as a business with a personality, a business with a particular style, what I would call like a brand voice and that brand voice then needs to speak to that personal, that target market. So it's not just a, let's get some stuff out there. Really think about how you're speaking at a, an emotional level to the people you're trying to attract. So I love to open up maybe each one of these topics in the next upcoming episode. So maybe deeper on financial, deeper on marketing, deeper on inventory management, client relationship, legal, and maybe on metrics as well. So I think that those would be mm, good metrics topics, would be good. Yeah, to discuss. But fundamentally, I think maybe to wrap up with this episode, I think what would be good is to talk about sort of quick things that you can think of. Where do I acquire this knowledge? So <clears throat> as far as I remember, you know, taking the entire school, maybe not necessarily the way to go. Uh, from the P&L perspective, you can take a course. There are courses that are taught on this in general, so you can find them online. You don't have to go anywhere. There's probably courses that you can find that are specific to the veterinary industry and just focus on how do I read the financial documents. I think that's like the baseline. It's like 
it's like the chemistry of the veterinary medicine. You have to learn chemistry to kind of go up and, and you know, get to physiology and anatomy and, and then surgery. But you have to have that baseline knowledge of how to look at the financial documents because when they're produced, then you're like, okay, this is what's happening and how to read them. So that's one. Uh, and then share them and then share that knowledge with your team. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing is that join the communities so and find mentors. So groups like VMG, uh, so they're getting together and they have a group of individuals that own the practices and they share the knowledge. Join the groups because it could be a very lonely job to be an owner of a clinic if you don't talk to another owner of the clinic. So only talking to someone who is in your shoes will really help you to understand and look up to someone who is willing to share and and uh, and available or again through certain communities. I don't know if you do you have Gerardo in Australia something like VMG that's uh, in US it's groups of clinics that is organized. Yeah, we have the the veterinary business group and then there's a couple um, more independent ones which aren't associated with um, Australian Vet Association. There's there's they're, they're out there. They're, they're out there. You just could go looking. Yeah. And then I know that in Europe, if anybody is listening, uh, Vet Dynamics by Alan Robinson. So he's fantastic. And he, he conducts these conferences and classes where he goes over this financial literacy. And actually, if you're not even in Europe, you can j probably join that and uh, learn a lot from him. But let's keep it to uh, to sort of our 20-ish minute episode. Uh, this was very interesting. So we'll probably want to dive into one of these uh, topics more next time. And uh, as always, Gerardo, Oh, I'm just going to say that when we get to the compliance part, you could find another co-host, mate. Okay. I'll, I'll quit on that one as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, great episode. And I will see you in a couple of weeks. See you, team.